And God is three in one, but God is a positive, a negative, and a neutral. And that's revealed in the Adam, and it's revealed in all of creation. And that's declared in Romans 1 and 20. So how, how does God look like positive, negative, and neutral? And how is that our nature? And how does that work against us until it's time for us to manifest? How is that possible? So basically, if you look at an atom, it's the, the negative is spinning around the outside, the negatively charged ion spinning around the outside. The inside is a positive and a neutral. And that neutral is there so that whatever it needs to become to make the atomic weight balanced, it'll turn into. Right? That's what happens. And that's in everything that's ever been created, period. And so if, when you look at when Adam, uh, God made Adam, he made Adam in his own likeness and image, male and female. Created he them. Now, that's interesting because he didn't say he created male, female, and child. Why? Because he was the child, right? But that's the picture. The, the, mother, the mother, the father, and the child are all right there when God created Adam. Adam's called the first Adam, and Christ is called what? The second Adam. Okay. So when he created Adam, he created Adam already in his likeness and image. It's not like he had to have to get there. They're already there. So what is Adam? A male, a female, and in their union, still in their members that had not yet manifested, was what? A child. Right? So they can't manifest as a, as a child if Eve remains on the inside of him. So when you look at the Hebrew, where it says that it was not good that man should be alone, if you actually go study that out, I'd encourage you to do it. Go study that out. It, it, it's like God is saying to God... It's not our most beautiful best to leave her on the inside of the fenced-in city. What's a fenced-in city? Us. See, we have borders once we have flesh, right? So he, he takes Eve out of Adam and he says he, he puts her in front so that he could behold his fullness. So how does he behold the fullness? What is the fullness of the Godhead? The child. Without Eve coming out, they could not behold a child. The two could not become one, and they, and they couldn't manifest their seed. So that's what is happening. Now, when you separate the Adam and the Eve, just like if you'd split an atom in the natural, what do you get? You get Hiroshima. You get a backlash. You get chaos. Well, God has always brought order out of chaos. In the beginning, the earth was without form and void, and God said... Let there be light. And light also means understanding. Light means life. He literally brought order out of chaos by saying, let there be light. And so the same thing is true with Adam and Eve. The womb is a chaotic place. It's got a little explosion that takes place. It's uh, full of blood in there. If that explosion that is the ovum doesn't receive a seed, it will begin to contract and it will get rid of all that blood and it will start the cycle over again. So it's a chaotic place waiting. It's a dark place even. It's hidden. Waiting for the seed to come so that when the two become one, a child can manifest. It's the same thing over and over again. You'll see this over and over in, in anything you look at that's created. You'll, you'll find this pattern. So when we as a human being, whether we realize it or not, I still have both natures in me. I have the male nature and the female nature. So what does that look like? Well, my physical form 
reveals the female nature. Michael's physical form reveals the male nature. So what do they look like? Giver, receiver. Giver, receiver. What does he give? Seed. What do I receive? Seed. What do I do with that seed? I give back. What? All things are possible, a male or a female. Or both. Right? If it's twins. So in that union again, there's still male, female, child, positive, negative, neutral. So my own body by itself is both. So how is that possible? Well, my outside is what's revealed. How is, how is Michael's anatomy revealed? On the outside of his body. How is my anatomy revealed? On the inside of my body. So therefore, the outside part of me is the male part, if you will, the giver part. What does it give? It can give to you. It can give shelter. It can give protection. It can give food. It can give covering. All the things that God does, right? That's what it does. It gives. What part of me receives? My inside part. My ears. My sinuses. My mouth. My eyes. All the inside of me is receiving at all times, right? And simultaneously, it's giving. So I'm a giver and a receiver at the same time. Giver and a receiver. Giver and a receiver. Why? Because the two have become one. And that's what God, God created us for, is to be one with us. So my eyes are receiving, right? Aren't they? They're constantly receiving, but they're also giving. Why? Because they're a window to my soul. And you could look into my eyes and you know my heart, the Bible says. What is my nose doing? It's receiving, but it's also it's giving away. Now, my ears are a little bit different. My ears are receiving, but they're not a giver. That's the only part on my body that I can find that doesn't give. And what does God tell his children in the wilderness? Just hear me. Just hear me. I'm your deliverer. Just hear me. And then speak what you hear me say, and I'll, I'll deliver you in all things. No, they didn't want that. They said, give us something to do. Let us be the giver. Let us be God is really what they're saying. They just don't realize that's what they're saying. Well, you and I do the same thing. So the way that I'm a giver and a receiver at all times is all parts of my body is giving and receiving. My mind's giving and receiving. Right, right now I'm giving to you, but it's also receiving your body language and everything else. So I'm giving and receiving constantly. When we're little... And we're growing up, we manifest whether these two parts of us come together or not, we're going to manifest emotion. And that emotion is the frequency, if you will, that tells us if unity is occurring or not. And God says, endeavor to keep the unity. So if I feel rejected, it really is telling the truth that some form of disunity is happening. Maybe we don't understand each other in the mind, or maybe we, we didn't see it each other's way, or whatever, but disunity is occurring or you won't feel it. Um, anytime a child can't comprehend love, for example, if someone's saying, I love you, while they're backhanding them, that's going to be a conflicting information and that, that little bitty heart's going to begin to shut down because it's going to be in fear and confusion. Mm -hmm. So naturally you're going to do that. Naturally you're, you're going to create a callus. Why? Because that's how your body's made. Your body's made to make scars and calluses when it's exposed to pain. It's also made to turn from pain and turn towards pleasure. That's like a fireplace, right? Mm -hmm. So our, as we grow up, and this has happened all through, 
eternity, all the way through Adam and Eve, the knowledge of good and evil, is what we turn to to try and be like God in the beginning. Rather than God showing us everything we already need is on the inside. Why? Because the kingdom of God is in us. That's where the unity takes place. Where is mine and Michael's real unity? Are we, are we right now united? Yes, we are. He's sitting over there. I'm sitting over here. But my heart is with him. I'm in the spiritual. I'm united with him. Even if he dies, my heart's still with him. If a child dies, their heart's still with them. That's the eternal unity. Now, physical unity we can have in the body, but that's something that's private behind closed doors, and that's where our children come from. But that's also revealing that where God and our unity takes place, it's hidden, isn't it? It's hidden behind what? Closed doors. It's behind the city. And so we can't comprehend it. We can't understand it unless it's revealed. It's the only way we can see it. And so as a child, we grow up, all of us, hearing things like, what's wrong with you? Why are you crying? What's the matter with you? Well, if, if you don't quit that crying, I'm going to give you a reason to cry. So we're trained to not feel anything painful. When to feel something painful is the exact thing that God gave us to, to guide us by. Like, that's too hot, step away. Or that's too cold, you'll freeze. You see, it's, it's, that's glass, take your foot off. And we've denied that part of us. We've denied it because we've been told that it's bad. And, and because it feels bad, we agree with it. But we really haven't studied the scriptures to find the truth about the emotion. We just heard somebody say some stuff one time and we believe, well, that must be true because that's what I've been taught my whole life. But if you go study the scriptures, you're going to find out that the emotion is actually the blood of your spirit. And the powers in what? The blood. So what happens... And what we're going to do is we're going to go look in those places in your heart when you were a little bitty fella, when you felt unloved, when you felt confused about love and how you're loved. And do I get loved by being good or do I get loved by hiding and being quiet in my room? Do I get loved by being a class clown? How did I figure out how to get love? Because there's something inside of you that's always going to say, if I'm good, and if I'm not bad, then I'll be like God and then I'll be loved. Why? Because that's in our nature. The two natures are also revealed in Esau and Jacob. Esau said this. Here, take my identity. Just don't let me suffer. Right? Give me a bowl of soup. Mm -hmm. All right? When his daddy died, he refused to mourn and said, I'll go take avenge on my brother. I'll make myself feel better. I'll settle this suffering inside of me by killing him. What did Jacob do? Jacob refused to give up his identity, including cheating and lying. And then when his father died, he said, I will not be comforted. I will go and I will mourn my father. Not only did he go and grieve, but he took his servants, maid servants, men servants, and all his animals. And for 30 days, he grieved. He didn't run from his identity. He fought to keep it. And he refused to run from sorrow and suffering. And then even in the end, when he, or not the end, but later on in his life, whenever he names Peniel, Bethel, he actually says, I'll go back to my brother. I'll reconcile to myself. 
I'll go back to my sorrow and suffering. I'll go back to my lost identity. I'll go back to the one who doesn't know who he is. And I'll restore brother to brother. And they were twins. Why? Because we're a twin. And when he did that, and he wrestled with God, he wrestled with him in a place called Peniel. Peniel's a limbic brain. That's where the amygdala is. That's where all your emotions are. So he goes there. He wrestles with God. He sees heaven. Ladder comes down, heaven and earth, and they're connected now. There's a major connection between heaven and earth at that place. And then he names it the house of God. And God names him Israel. Now listen at that just phonetically. He got real. And his name is Israel. Who is it that always is coming against Israel? Iran. He couldn't be named Israel while he was running. But when he stopped running, he was named Israel. See how it's like there's allegories all over the word. So we have been trained as a little bitty fella, little bitty girl, and it's in our nature, to run from emotion. What did Adam and Eve do? Covered, ran, hid, and blamed. And that's the same thing we do. So we're going to go not run, not cover, not blame. We're going to go into all of our identity of where we've lost our identity because we were giving it up just so we wouldn't get rejected like Esau did. Because that's what we do. We become whatever we think somebody wants us to become so that we'll get loved and not get rejected. And Jesus said this, I know you have need of man's approval, but my father shall not reject me. So he was teaching us a principle. What he was teaching us is, if you'll get your identity in who God says you are, then no one else's opinion could rob you of that identity, even if the whole world rejects you. And Christ made that known. His family rejected him. Peter denied him. All his disciples scattered. Right? Every, he had he'd lose everything. And so he was showing us the way. He showed us how to, uh, to face our suffering to go into it. And when Peter tried to rescue him, he called him the devil. He called him Satan. Right? Get behind me and watch. So if I try to rescue you out of any pain by rebuking it, even declaring the word of God over you, by casting down a vain imagination and replacing it with a frontal lobe message, you will have to fight with that same thing over and over and over again. Why? Because there's no real transformation. You're only just covering it up. You're putting fig leaves on it. And you're hiding from whatever that is that keeps coming up. And we know by scripture that mortality, your body, cannot hold back immortality, your spirit. And immortality is in you. And mortality is what's holding it right now. It's just holding on to it. It's just knit together for a season. So when we go and we begin working on your heart, I'm going to look for subconscious belief system. Now the unfortunate thing is you can't tell me. I can't tell you what mine are. Michael can't. We can't just... Oh yeah. Yeah, that's right. And listen at the word, diseaved. Right? Diseaved. So Adam was Eve taken out. He was diseaved. And it manifested diseaved. Why? What was the deception? That I can find God on the outside of me. That the kingdom of God is out there somewhere and I need to do something to get God to love me. Do you know why these two bones right here are called what they're called? 
Because when you use the work of your hands, God says, go ahead, humor us. That's what they are, the humor bone. And the, this is a radius and an ulna. And when we trust in our own light, it won't work. It just won't. And that's why he said, your best is filthy rags or as filthy rags. So the, the, the two things that have to come together inside of man, mankind, in order for us to manifest as the sons of God in the earth and walk in what Christ walked in. And greater work shall you do, right? How does that happen? The two have to become one. You have to manifest as the bride of Christ. So what does that look like? It means you're a receiver. It means you are the Eve part. That don't mean woman as in physical body or how you act. It means that you understand that you are without form. And you are void without the seed of God in your heart. The word of God. And so when you no longer trust in this frontal lobe, what did God tell you? Trust me with all of your what? Your mind? Heart. All of your heart. Lean not. Lean not into your what? Own understanding. And what have we been doing? We've been reading the scriptures, trying to understand it, and trusting our understanding of the Word of God. Jesus rebuked the people. He said, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you find eternal life. And he said, I'm eternal life. And so Christ is in you. Now, I, this is something I'm going to teach I have not taught before, and I'm still having it unveiled to me at the moment. Like God is burning inside of me this revelation and I've been asking him literally since about 1995 and he's starting to unveil this to me. I ask him God what, why do people say that we are a spirit and we have a soul because scripture doesn't declare that. Scripture says Adam became a living soul. It didn't say that Adam received a living soul. It said he received the breath of God. And there's three manifestations of the breath of God. Did you know that in Hebrew? There's three words for the breath of God. One of it means the holding breath of God ready to give. It's gimel. The second one is the moving breath of God, the in-between part. And then the, the last one is the received breath of God. Giver, neutral, receiver. Positive, negative, neutral. All over again. It's always there. So that's what he received. He received positive, negative, and neutral into his lungs. And became a living receiver. Positive, negative, and neutral. Christ is the second Adam. He's the life-giving spirit part of the Trinity between man and, mankind and Jesus, meaning the bride and her husband. So when, when Adam became a living soul, what that's really saying is he became the receiver part of the Spirit of God. When Adam became a living soul, he became the receiver part of the union. Right? Jesus, the life-giving Spirit is the manifested giving part of God. So what does Christ do? Christ came to give what? Everything. He gave, God gave it and He's made in His Father's image so He's a giver. See? He came to give. He gave His life. He gave all sorrow and suffering. He gave up His will. He gave up His voice. He, he didn't even talk when they beat Him. He did not defend Himself. 
He did not. He said, God is my defender. Then when he gets on the cross, he suffers everything that you and I will suffer. Why? Why would he suffer? Because that's the consummation. How do I know it's a consummation? Because the veil that was ripped from top to bottom is the same as the hymen. It's a blood covenant. It's just like when a man and a woman consummate their marriage. So what does a woman know that can help the men to understand how to be a bride? Here it is in a nutshell. It's revealed in Ephesians chapter 5. A woman knows that if a man don't receive her heart, she feels like a prostitute. She feels like a product. She feels dirty. She feels used. And that's why a man and a woman, a man can do all the right stuff. He can be a good provider. He can be a good protector. He can go to work every day, come home on time, not have an affair, not be mean, not beat her. I mean, he can be an awesome man. Go to church every Sunday, read the Bible, pray. And the woman will feel empty. How is that possible? Because you, your lips are, are say, Lord, Lord. Your lips say, I love you. Your lips say all these things. But your heart be far from me. Yeah. And see, you're, Michael was guilty. Y'all were awesome men. But you know why, where that guilt came from? You know why that happened to you? In the garden, after Eve ate, she could only see good. Why? She's a negative. That's why. She saw the fruit was good. Now, the Bible says it was good and evil. Why could she only see good? Because she's a negative. That makes perfect sense in science and in Scripture. Then when Adam ate, he received, we are naked. That's an absence or a negative, a subtraction. He saw the subtracted. He saw the void. And they both then at that point saw good and evil and they saw that they were cunning is the accurate translation for the word naked. But they couldn't see both until the two were one. Why? Because when a, when a magnet is whole, it's a circle. And you can't tell where one begins and the other one ends, can you? You have to break it to see them apart. Well, that's why God took Adam and Eve so you could see. Because otherwise, you can't tell where the positive part or the negative part of the magnet begins and ends, can you? It's just a circle. It's all happening. It's, remember I told you in the beginning, I'm a giver and a receiver at the same time? You're a giver and a receiver at the same time. So Michael and you and every other man started with Adam. This is what happens to you. Because the woman did what she did, and because the man did what he did, which means they sought outside of themselves, the wife's problem or the result, is she's going to desire her husband rather than God. And he's going to rule over her. And she's going to give birth in pain and travail. And that's in every area. That doesn't just mean through the physical womb. That means through the heart, too. Gonna, she's going to have to go through all this labor in order to be broken. And then after she's broken, she'll actually be born again. She'll wake up. See, when God put Adam and Eve in a trance, it never said he woke them up. He'll read it. Never said it woke them up. We wake up. I, I, I talk to women every day, and I'll give you a, it's a grotesque scenario, but people need to hear this. This particular woman was head over heels in love with her husband. Desired him, treated him like a king, Worship the ground he walked on. He became her God. 
Now, somewhere in the mix, her heart began to cry out. Something's not right. Something's not right. And every night that he would come home and want to make love to her, she would turn her face away and cry without him seeing it because her stomach was sick to her stomach and her skin was crawling. She couldn't figure out why. She didn't dare want to tell him. So this happened for years until eventually she be, she's begging him, begging him, begging him. I need you to know my heart. I want you to know my heart. Let's, she's trying all this stuff that she's been taught, but what she really don't know is she's, well, she's awakened. And she's awakened to the fact that he's still dead and she's now barely awake. How is that possible? I asked God. I said, God, what, what, why is that? Why does one wake up and not the other? He says, I called you the helper. You're the inside part. What part of you wakes up when you're asleep in the morning? What wakes up first? I went, the inside. He said, yeah, what do you have to do to your body? I'm like, beat it to get it out of the bed. I got to drag it out the bed. It don't want to get up. Well, it's the same way with male and female. The female wakes up first. Why? Because her heart is crying out for true intimacy and she's only getting physical. And when she's awake and he's still sleeping, that's like making love to a corpse. That's, that's Ted, uh, Ted Bundy. That's sick. But then she gets in trouble. And she says, well, you can't deny your husband. You're supposed to give him the affection due him. Well, yeah, but what about, and likewise, husbands give the affection to your wife and no man ever hated his own body but cherished it and he ought to love her like Christ loved the church. Well, did Christ physically make love to us? No. So what is he talking about? Cherish us in the heart and how did Christ love us? He suffered in every sorrow and piercing after the order of Melchizedek and did not sin. What does that mean and did not sin? And did not miss the mark, the calculation, the sign, the flag, the wonder, the miracle of every one of the piercings and sorrows and suffering. It literally means he was intimate with them in the heart and refused to not go through them. Now think about this. Where does real intimacy occur? It can occur with any two human beings, even if they're not a husband and a wife. And it can be holy. Example. My mom died July 24, 2011. Michael's mom is still living. Can he and I know each other in that same arena of emotion right now? Can he really understand what I feel? Not until his mama dies. Not until he experiences it. Not until he experiences it. His brother died when he was a young man. Is it possible for me to understand what it's like for him, for his brother to not be in his life if I have all my sisters? Mm -mm, I can't taste of it, can I? He could, you could describe broccoli to me. You could even show it. But until I it. taste it or eat it, taste it, I don't know it. Jesus said... There are those standing here right here today who will not taste their deadness until I return. See, we've been dead in our trespasses and sin and some have not yet tasted that they're dead. Well, when Richard Snoddy came to see me, when he got up, he said, how is that possible? I said, what, Richard? He said, I, I'm awake. 
I was dead. I said, how do you know that? See, you don't know that you, you're awake. You I mean, you don't know you've been sleeping unless you wake up. And I can't tell you the number of people who have said that same thing to Michael and I after we work with them. They go, how is this possible? Yeah, how is it possible that I've been asleep all these years? I love God. I accepted Jesus as my I Savior. Dead. I yeah, dead. well, it, it is dead. It's, it's dead deadness. in your trust. It's a deadness. And where is the deadness? It's the same kind of deadness that occurs when your hand gets calloused. And all we have to do is roll away the stone. Why? Because the resurrection's already in you. He told Mary and Martha the same thing. He said, no, 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 not, I'm not talking about the resurrection in the future. I'm talking about right now, Mary and Martha. And they couldn't hear him. And he groaned, the Bible says, with the same kind of groanings that the whole earth is groaning in right now. It means he was like travailing in pain. And he said, Lazarus, get up. He's basically called Lazarus helper. Lazarus' name means helper. Go look it up. It's the same word, Eve. It's the same word, receiver. It's the same word, bride. Wake up. He was showing you an allegory in the physical miracle of what's coming. And that is the Lazarus inside of you waking up. And I'm going to take the grave clothes off of you. What's the grave clothes? Anything you've carved out to protect yourself. Because grave and carve is the same word. So we carve out ideas to protect ourselves. And that's what happens in your chain link protein that's in your brain. So as we look for these places that you believe that you're not loved, your frontal lobe knows God loves you, don't it? Mm-hmm. And here's the evidence that you don't know it in your amygdala. No, no. That's right. Don't feel it. There you go. The evidence. So here's the other thing. Do you ever feel afraid about anything? Yes. yes. See, perfect love casts out all fear. So the evidence that you have not received the fullness of the love of God in your amygdala, which is what's connected to your heart. What are we supposed to love our, the Lord our God with? All your heart. When my wife comes close to me, this panic rises up in me, and I want to go, ah, I want to go someplace. Yeah. Do you know what that, that really is a feeling of? The baffling wind of God. It's the eternal-all-one manifesting inside of you, arising so that your enemies will scatter. But you don't know that. No one's ever taught you that. No one's ever taught you that it's the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind that actually dwells in your members. And the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind is desiring to become one with the receiver part of you. That is the, the, the giver is in you. Where's the kingdom of God? In you. So that world, where's the, where's the baffling mighty wind of God? It's not out there somewhere. If you are already seated in Christ Jesus in heavenly places and the kingdom of heaven is inside of you, then where is Christ seated? In you. And you are in him. Well, when God begins to move like a mighty rushing wind, Right? And he's called the etern all, not etern some. He's called awesome. Do you know why he's called awesome? Because right now only some stand in awe of him. But there's coming a day, really, when all will be in awe of him. But God turns everything. The devil does not turn you. 
What's happening is the Spirit of God is arising to give you all your answers and you are still covering and running. That's why, that, that's why you run from that. The same reason Adam and Eve ran from it. They feared God, the very one they walked with in the cool of the day. I had people say, Angel, that's not God. I said, well, I'll tell you what. The Word of God never says anybody trembled in the devil's presence. Ever. Go find it. I've looked. But it does say, blessed is he who trembles in my presence. Blessed is he who trembles at my word. And every time somebody said, fear not, the Lord showed up. It was the Spirit of the Lord that was said, I'm, don't fear. It's this is me. This experience that you're having. This effect on your body is not fear. This effect on your body is my presence. Why? Because you're trembling in my presence. Do you know what happened when the veil ripped from top to bottom? The earth trembled. Do you know what happens when a woman makes love for the first time? Her body trembles from the inside out. You know what happens when she gives birth for the first time? Her body trembles from the inside out. See, the presence of God will cause the earth to tremble. This is earth. That's why you tremble. You just call it panic. I looked up the word, all the, I've been studying all the tribes, all the nations. Why? Because we all came from God. Guess what his panic means? It means to enter into rest. Hispanic. Hispanic literally means his panic will, will manifest in such a way, his trembling, that it will force you to turn and run to him, and then you'll find him, and then you'll enter into his rest. See, if that wouldn't be arising in you, you'd just stay where you are. But because she has awakened and she's been begging you to get into her heart, when you get in her presence, she's alive. That which is dead starts shaking. Why? Because death and they, the two need to become one. They want to become one. But when to make love to a corpse would be creepy. But that's what's been happening. That's why you see our marriages falling apart. That's why Christ is waiting for the bride to wake up. What does it say in Song of Solomon? Arise. And shine, my beloved, for your light has come. The turtle dove, the springtime is here. What does spring mean? <sighs> to spring forth. It means get up, Lazarus. It means get up, O oh helper. See, you have a helper inside of you. It's called the Eve part. It just means receiver. Hear the word Eve inside of it? It's the receiver. And God's saying, would you just receive? Just trust that when this emotion, trembling, shaking, all the power begins to rise out of your belly and get into your bloodstream, would you just receive it from me and just trust me in all things and let me do to your brain what you can't do? Let me transform you in a twinkling of an eye. I have people come in here and they'll say, but, but what do I do now? Richard was one of them. He said, um, he said how did he put it? He said, I, I showed him the truth. Through the vision that I had. God gave me a vision. He saw the vision. Same time I saw the vision. I'm painting him a picture. That's one of the words to anoint means to paint a picture. And he says, do I need to renounce this? Because see, we think we need to do something, don't we? And I told him, I said, Richard, truth don't need your help. Just look at it and let behold the glory of God. Just behold it. Just gaze upon it. To just look at His presence will transform you. And what is His presence? Truth. And you could hear me was almost sighed like, you mean I don't have to do it? No, Richard, you can't. 
You can't do it. It was never meant for you to do it. Why? That would be like Michael coming to me and asking me to open a pickle jar. Can you imagine if he came to me and said, Honey, I'm too weak to do this. Will you help me? No, that's, that's what I would do as the wife. I would go as the receiver, right? I would get, we, the woman's called the lesser or the lower. That just means the one waiting to receive. It means receiver. It doesn't mean less than. It means one waiting for gimel. Gimel is the third letter of the alphabet. Gimel means charity, the one who gives. It means male. And so he's the giver. He gives me his strength. Why? Because I have none. So where is God's strength made perfect? In your weakness. In my weakness. And so when we allow ourselves to be weak and have no answers and we trust him with all of our heart, what's in our heart? Abandonment, rejection, fear of abandonment, fear of rejection, all those things. When those surface into our bloodstream and we, we wrestle not, we just let it flow. It won't feel good. Sometimes your body might jerk. Sometimes it might shake. Sometimes you might shake your head. You might scream. Some people gag. Some people throw up. Some people cough. Some people swallow it and swallow it and swallow it and eventually throw up. Some people just let it out and just let it flow. That's the easiest for anyone is just let it flow. When that begins to flow, I'm in the process of waiting. Michael is in the process of waiting. We're just waiting for God to say something. Say something or show me something. And when he does, I'm going to say what I see. I'm going to say what I hear. Why? That's what Jesus showed me. See, I'm in a receiving mode. You're in a receiving mode. I'm listening to your body on your behalf. Why? To make it easy for you, to help you, to bear your burdens with you, to weep with you when you weep and rejoice with you when you rejoice. We're waiting. When we hear the word of God, we'll deliver it to you. Why? Because I'm a receiver and then I'm a giver, right? That's what we're supposed to be doing. Isn't that what the body does every joint, every sinew, every muscle, every, every capillary? Is giving and receiving simultaneously, isn't it? And if one stops in either direction, it dies. And that's what's happened to the marriage. It's died. It's, it was dead in the garden because they both were put in a trance. And then the female just happens to be the one that wakes up first. That doesn't mean we're better than, nor are we less than. We just wake up because we're the inside part. And that's because God made us in a way to show us what you really have been looking for your whole, whole life is the inside part. And when you go in there in the kingdom of God, how much will be added to you when you seek first the kingdom? All. And all really does mean all. And when Michael and I came together as husband and wife, we both were dead. And then I woke up and I was like, something's, something's stinking. We need to look for the trash. Like there's a dead piece of meat in the refrigerator or potato hiding under the sink or something stinking. Well, it was me and my grave clothes is what was stinking. And then whenever I began to take my old grave clothes off and I began to see the new me, then love began to manifest. Acceptance, patience, kindness, meekness, gentleness. Not because I was good, because I had already proven I couldn't do any of that. I was too busy being his judge. I was too busy trying to be his God. First, I wanted him to be my God, and then I tried to be his Holy Ghost, right? And neither one of those work. And so the Bible tells us very clearly, when will we recover? 
It says, from dust you came. When it says that, if you look it up in the Hebrew, it says, from bloody mud you were created, were formed. And from dust you shall return. And that word, second word, dust, says, dry gray powder, you shall come back to me. So, I made you bloody mud. You walked away. You started eating the dust. And on the dust, you, you, the cursing was the, the ground and the snake. On your belly you'll crawl and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. <clears throat> what is that that eats dust? Your intellect. How do I know intellect is the serpent? If you go look up that word and the serpent beguiled her. What was it that beguiled her? The knowledge of good and evil. The serpent beguiled her. If you look that up, it says your past experiences. So we've been eating and trying to live our life out of our past experiences and we can't escape them. But now God has brought the revelation to the earth. Why? It's the appointed time for us to wake up. And he's brought the revelation to the earth where we can actually go into that part of your brain through your blood, through your emotions, through your exact sorrow and suffering and the lies that locked you up. Release them into your bloodstream and God will do what no man could do. He will deliver you out of that Egypt, out of that bondage. And so that's what we're going to do.